generationally, testosterone levels in men are going down in a significant way. The Massachusetts Male Aging Study, and it looks from 1987 to 2005, and they're showing just generationally lower levels of men having testosterone which is manifesting itself in a lot of different ways. But this is, has to do a lot with the endocrine disrupting compounds that we're continuing more and more exposed to. And this is affecting the development of men as men. Hello everyone and welcome to Couch Talk. I'm excited today to be talking about men's health, men's sexual health, and things that really guys don't want to talk about, women don't know about or want to talk about, and how critically important it is. You hear me all the time talking about vaginal health issues like vaginal dryness and the relationship consequences that this can have and how it can affect connection and intimacy in a relationship. So it is a challenge. It's a challenge as we get older. So I reached out to Orest, who is a dynamic, fabulous, intelligent old guy, honestly. <laughs> he has oldguystalks.com and has a fun podcast and I'll tell you a little bit about him. He is a blogger. In his, he's 66, a blogger, former periodontist, but really a stand-up comedian at heart, as well as cigar aficionado and loves fine liquor. He does not hold back when he talks and he really says that he's looking to live the next stages of his life full of kick-ass he wants to share those experiences with you and hear about yours. Now, he has spent a lot of time in the anti-aging space. He's been following this throughout his career and interviewing doctors and scientists on cutting-edge medical therapies. So he has personal experience that he brings into the picture and is impassioned to share about how we treat erectile dysfunction and dissatisfaction, right? Because it's not just that. So, Horace, welcome. Welcome to Couch Talk. This is an intimate place for intimate conversation, and I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm looking around to see whether I'm in the right room after that introduction. I'm not sure who you're talking about, but I guess, I, I guess I'm here. <laughs> no, no cigar, no martini. What's going on? A little bit of a time difference. So it's nine o'clock in the morning and it's and I'm not in Mexico. So <laughs> if I was in Mexico, there might be a there might be a bloody Mary or beer, but <laughs> it's pretty early in the morning. I, I do ha I do have my uh, my old guy talks mug. So I'm having a lot I'm having a lot of, usually in the morning it's it's coffee until about noon. I'm a coffee addict. Ah, okay. All right. Well, I think you're living life on the fast lane and just really bringing a lot of life to people's lives as well. Share with us your journey. Like, how did you become impassioned to this and why you're so impassioned about talking to number one, you know, you know, people about the difficulty of erectile, I like how you say dissatisfaction. Well, erectile dysfunction, dissatisfaction. It actually, you know, a lot of times we end up in these places uh, because of uh, self-interest. As you get older, it comes as, as no surprise that things don't work as well as they used to. And uh, I had actually also an unfortunate situation where I had been talked into having a prostate biopsy. And I wish I'd never had it. And everybody said, oh, it's all going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing's going to be different. Nothing's going to be, there's no side effects or anything. Well, it wasn't like that. And then I started to hear about, I was talking to the uh, physician's assistant at my primary care doctor. And she said, oh yeah, I hear that. I hear that not infrequently. I'm going like, really? That's not what I was told. I was told it was all going to be fine. No consequences. Nothing's going to, it was like, so I went through all the stages of grief, uh, you know, where you kind of anger, the, this belief, this and that, and then kind of came to uh 
resignation, or, or I, I call it resignation. I think they're officially called acceptance. Uh, <laughs> but, but sometimes you just kind of you're resigned to the reality of things as, as they are. I've been in the, um, it's called age management now. I'm old enough to call it anti-aging because I've been in it so long, uh, anti-aging space. I've been actually, uh, I make no bones about it. I mean, I, I've been on therapeutic testosterone uh, replacement for over 22 years now. And if you want me, I, I can ramble on. But basically, I, at age 45, my waist and my age were the same. And my waist was outpacing my age. I looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy and had the same consistency. And uh, uh, I got married very late in life. I didn't get married until I was 40. So that means that we uh, waited a few years before my wife had our first daughter. And so I was 45. So I had to make a decision about whether I was going to uh, be a grandfather or father. Because at that point, you can, go, you can go either way at that point. And you see a lot of men deteriorate in their 40s rather significantly and kind of slowly and things like that. So I've been in the anti-aging space quite a bit and also as a re- regenerative surgeon, as a periodontist, so I'm very familiar with regenerative products. Actually, the first time I ever used plate-rich plasma was in 2000. And yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. On the forefront, ago. on the forefront, right? Yeah, they weren't even centrifuges then. I used actually, I had a, a hospital perfusion machine to, to draw out the PRP. But I happened to be, I had actually an injury to my bicep tendon from working out. And a friend of mine said, you should go see this doctor. And I saw her, her name is uh, Carmen Mora. And we started talking. We started talking about just stuff in general and this and that. And then we got on the topic of ED. And she said, well, we have all these other things that we that we can do for ED now. And one of them was, and she started telling me about PRP. And I started laughing because she didn't know I was a periodontist at that point. And he started telling me about it, you know, this and this. And I said, I said well, Carmen, I actually, the first time I used PRP was in 2000. She kind of looked at me like, wait, who are you? So we got into this. And as I got more and more into this space, the first thing I discovered was there's, there's several new therapies that are out there that were not available until recently. And everyone is different. They're all, we're all going to respond to them very, very differently. So I had a chance to interview expert doctors to treat erectile dysfunction dissatisfaction on a regular basis about these expert therapies that they use in their offices. And so I, I was able to put these interviews together. And then I got into a lot more about, and, and this is kind of, you know, uh, maybe about what our friend and his partner in life, you know, male or female, what are the ramifications in a relationship for a person who has erectile dysfunction? And it really affects people at so many different levels. When you start really to look at it, it's absolutely incredible. That's so true. Tell for our audience too, what is PRP and how is it being used for erectile dysfunction? And then we'll definitely get into the other the other modalities as well. Yeah, plate-rich plasma is basically your own blood product. Basically, you, you let's say they may take uh, 20 cc's of your blood and spin it down in a centrifuge, and they take out the part that has plate-rich plasma, which has a, a significant amount of growth factors, and they apply that. You, that that's applied topically. Some people are using it with, uh, I think it's called, we're supposed to call it allographic biographs, aka stem cells. Sometimes people will use that in combination with those type of things, and, they, and that works very, very well for some people. And basically what it does is it actually increases the vascularization in that area. And erectile dysfunction is all about proper vascular blood flow. It's all about blood flow. It's all about getting blood to the penis. It's all about keeping it on the penis until you're finished with having sex. Using your own body's healing capacities actually is what PRP is, is basically in a concentrated form. As you well know, PRP is used for 
I'm hard pressed to find a, a part of the body now that people aren't using PRP for. It's actually kind of an amazing thing that people are using. And that's one of the therapies that works very well for many, for many men. Yeah. And now we're getting into peptides, right? Peptide therapy for erectile dysfunction as well. Now there's, there's some interesting stuff coming up there. Yeah, peptides are, are an interesting thing in that they have a different form of mechanism, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, is that they work on your brain versus locally. And the peptides I'm familiar with that are used for erectile dysfunction are, are actually more of an aphrodisiac because they actually work on men and women. So it's kind of an interesting thing because it works on your, on your, on your brain and stimulates your brain versus a local stimulation that, like you would with a PRP and other, and other therapies that are out there. With the PRP, you're seeing good results with that? I think that a lot of people are. We're all really different on this stuff. And some things are going to work really well. Some things, for some people, everything's going to work. And for some people, it's a journey of discovery about what's going to work, what doesn't. And a lot of times, it's not going to be just one treatment. And also, it really depends on where you start. You know, if you are just kind of having what I refer to as, as dissatisfaction, and that dissatisfaction is like, well, maybe, maybe alcohol that you've had is starting to affect you more than it has in the past. Or maybe that you're not able to, you know, certain positions that you used to be able to do are not, you can't do them as easily or can't do them at all anymore. And it kind of weighs in. And so erectile dissatisfaction and dysfunction is that you slowly, unless you've had a major event like a prostatectomy or some, some prostate damage or some sort of other damage, you slowly kind of ease into it and you don't really know that it's happening all of a sudden you're kind of like you know how did i get here and you don't really understand it's not like a diabetic who kind of starts you know all of a sudden you know they have high blood sugar and then next thing you know they're taking oral meds and next thing you know they're taking shots and you so it kind of it's it's a grat for most it's a gradual decline and part of it is you accommodate that decline over a period of time and you you have a a new normal which is not healthy that can really affect a person in, and person that they're in a relationship in, in just incredible different ways yeah and i want to i want to go into that i'll talk you know because i treated a lot i've treated a lot of men with erectile dysfunction so I treat with i try help women with sexual health and i they bring in their guy right so part of the you know my whole philosophy is erectile dysfunction, early signal of cardiovascular disease. So we know that. So heart health is crucially important. Aerobic exercise, high intensity interval training to boost up testosterone growth hormone. So that's part of it. High intensity interval training, getting a good night's sleep. And I, and of course, get keto green, like follow those regimens, extended fasting, you know, a small eating window, cut back on all the inflammatory foods, processed foods and glucose, right? Sugar. So, so that there's that nutrition aspect that goes without saying, and then supplementation. So I've used Mighty Maca Plus two to four scoops a day in, in men with erectile dysfunction, libido issues as well. Sometimes we have to go a little bit higher initially and then go back down to two scoops a day. And then arginine alpha-ketoglutarate to increase nitric oxide. So maca will also increase nitric oxide, but then adding in arginine. And I use a product from Zymogen called NOMAX. And then adding in something that keeps testosterone free. So I use another product from Zymogen called Testoplex. So that was my sexual health triad for sexual dysfunction. And that usually gets blood flow, improves erectile tissue and responsiveness, sensitivity, helps with premature ejaculation. So we see those aspects. And then my next thing, depending on the age of the client, would be to add in you know, something that's going to increase the body's own natural testosterone production. So whether it's Clomid or something like that to stimulate an 
the male production of testosterone and or adding in testosterone as well. I never want to feedback continuous negative feedback continuously to keep to at all inhibit the brain from producing, you know, signaling the production of testosterone. So I want to keep alternating that and keep uh, Clomid on board as long as possible if we need it to just keep that stimulation going. So testosterone on board, and then again, making sure we know where testosterone is going, that it's not going to estrogen causing moves. It's not going to dihydrotestosterone. That's going to be very, you know, can, the very potent meal testosterone that can cause balding, also aggression. So there's a little bit, but we don't want it to be pushing those directions. And it really depends on the individual genetics and environment that are part of that. And I'll add in zinc, typically 60 milligrams of zinc a day, maybe chrysin, or again, for those conversion issues that we want to have this nice complement that we're keeping testosterone free and available. And then, you know, sometimes sometimes we add, need to add in, you know, I've used secretagrogs to help the body, to help stimulate the body's production of growth hormone in those ways, but sleep and high intensity exercise, those are fundamental, foundational, and absolutely necessary in working with erectile dysfunction. And, and just like we have G-shot or O-shot injections for women, you know, PRP for men, and now this peptides, how that's coming about. But I always like, let's get the nu- nutrient building blocks in there, in there first. Now this can cause, you know, again, going into the discussion of how this affects relationships, how do we talk about it? How do we work with our patient through it? And what are some things that we can do to help help our partner with erectile function? A lot of it has to do with the fact that most men, first of all, because it occurs relatively slowly in most men, and it's embarrassing and not infrequently, more more to rule than the exception is that, that men don't want to talk about it. And they won't talk about it to their significant other. They generally don't talk about it to their doctor. And they don't talk about it to other men. I mean, men don't sit around uh, having a drink and smoking a cigar and say, hey, uh, by the way, my junk hasn't been working. Uh, how's yours junk? How's your junk working? And so, so they don't really, it's not something that, that happens. And this isolation that occurs doesn't help the problem because it's a problem that will continue until you take active action to go ahead and treat it, which, whichever modality you choose. But what happens is that in the relationship, there's a distancing that occurs between the people in that relationship because there's a lack of communication and there's a a frustration. Quite often men will shut down and not talk about it. And you can imagine that you're sitting, you know, you tried to have sex and you're unsuccessful and there's a quiet that ensues as the, as the expression goes, a deafening quiet. It's a deafening quiet that ensues. The woman may be trying to have a, a conversation. The man is, is generally will generally be resistant to it because they're embarrassed and saying, "Oh, it's fine. It's just a temporary thing." Or, you know, they, they, they spin all sorts of stories in their head about this to themselves and to the person in with. And continues this kind of gets a life of its own because it's just the more you kind of have to build up and continue to build up to tell the lies. The more and more and more in this regards, from the other person's perspective. Sometimes the other person, the woman, the woman may wonder, you know, does he love me anymore? Is he attracted to me anymore? Is there an affair going on? Has he substituted me with porn? All those things kind of occur. And that distancing uh, just kind of continues on. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, these loving couple turns into these people that are basically roommates. They're no longer 
husband or wife are no longer lovers. They're just kind of roommates that are functioning in the world without emotional and physical intimacy that's really important in, in a relationship. It's that loss. And in, in some ways, somebody once termed the fact that, that uh, erectile dysfunction is a thief. Erectile dysfunction is a robber because it, in, in many ways it robs you of uh, emotional and physical intimacy. That is so necessary to have a quality relationship. Now, some people just said, you know, we talked about some people just accommodate and just kind of get used to it. And this is kind of the way it is. For men, they tend to lose interest in life in a lot of different ways. They tend to not be as social. It may even affect them in their, in their business because they're indecisive. They just aren't really there. And there's a frustration and anger that is often present. That's associated with that, that can explain like, you know, somebody may be really short and testy all the time. Well, if you're like that all the time, then people don't want to be around you, which adds to your isolation. So it's just, it's just a, a, a total, yeah, it's a cycle. It's a snowballing effect that builds upon itself. And un, unless you take significant action, especially if you're in the middle of this, you have to have, you have to take really significant action to, to break out of this cycle. Because it's a challenge to break up. Uh, then just about any kind of cycle, it really is it's a significant challenge to break, break out of it. And the hard part about it is that most of the time you don't even, uh, with erectile dysfunction, you don't really even know you're in this cycle because it's your new normal. Well, and it's so true, Orist. And it, at the same time, this is happening to a man, vaginal dryness, discomfort with sex, just, you know, those things, we're not talking about that either. So it's working both ways and that, and that creates a separation and in intimacy of a couple and it's not where they want to be, you know? And so husbands and wives trying to, you know, be there for each other, but then having this roommate phenomenon versus sexual intimacy and, and it is good to know that there's so much that can be done about it. Yeah. The whole concept is that as we get older, without that frank discussion, most men do not realize what's going on in a, in a woman's body. They kind of know it, but they don't. And I'm not even sure that even though a woman experiences changes, especially during menopause, well, she experiences, I don't think they really, sometimes I don't think they actually understand exactly what's going on in terms of the effects. You're experiencing the effects, but you don't know what, what the effects really mean. I guess I'll say is that, that you experience the symptoms, but you don't understand what the end result is of those symptoms. One of the things that you know, we've talked about, because we, we spoke about this uh, earlier, is that guys are just kind of like stunned when we talk about, uh, when I mentioned to them that a lot of women, especially if they've had vaginal births, have urinary incontinence. And there's this is kind of like, oh, I never knew that. Then you hear it go, oh, yeah, my girlfriend does. And, you know, this is like something that people hide versus, I mean, you don't want to sit there and broadcast it out. You know, right. You sort of, right. Yeah, you don't want to post it on your shame with it, right? Yeah, you, yeah you, should, you don't want to post it on your Facebook <laughs> on your first page on Facebook, but you, sh- you, sh- you certainly should be able to have that discussion with your significant other. Yeah, yeah, you really should. Yeah. And there's, and there's lots of things and the same things, you know, with men. And the crazy part about it is, is that we are at a time, there are things that are, that can really significantly alleviate the pain that we are undergoing as part of the aging process. I mean, we don't never really, we're not stopping it, but we can alleviate the pain. And there's so many things that are available now to do that, that you don't have to 
age in a decrepit way. Uh, aging is mandatory, suffering is optional, right? Or yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. This whole thing about, well, that's the way I remember my, my grandmother. That's the way I remember my parents or whatever, is that it's exciting some of the things that are out there to improve the quality of your life. And the other thing is that, you know, most people will do many things to, if you talked about something about improving their life, they're kind of interested. But if you talk to someone about relieving the pain in their life, they're really committed. That's really the thing is, is that these things will, will help minimize or eliminate a lot of the pain in your life. The, all the anti-inflammatory things that you can do that are available out there. And there's, there's many things that are actually available out there. And you just have to pick one. Yeah. And, and really want to be clear, we're not talking about Tylenol and Advil, right? We're talking no, about no, turmeric. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. My Mighty Maca Greens has turmeric, kerstin, resveratrol, greens, unadagado. I mean, just potent antioxidants that affect, that help our body combat the inflammatory pathway. So... Yes, exactly. And then again, the lifestyle, right? Here, I'll push a plug again, keto green, not keto dirty, but keto clean, which is keto green, right? That lifestyle. It's more than about what we eat. It's a lifestyle. Or as I want to talk about so many men, you know, we've, we've seen this now for decades as a practicing physician, right? The Viagra, first on the market, Cialis to follow. And so these meds for erectile dysfunction, how are they affecting men? How are they affecting their sexual function? What are some cautions? And I'm working with someone and uh, he's uh, in his early 20s. And what I was stunned to hear was how many of his friends are using ED meds. I like- Wow. Wow. What? Wow. I yeah. was like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on to men in terms of endocrine disrupting compounds and things like that. But the, the whole thing about the ED pills is, is a couple of things. One is that, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I'm not, this is not medical advice, but this is just my own perspective on things is that when you are suffering from erectile dysfunction or dissatisfaction, you kind of have at the very beginnings in the early stages, you kind of have two courses that you can go. Uh, you can go down the med course. And the med course is kind of an interesting thing because it's, it's easy to get. It's a quick reply. It's just easy access. I mean, you can buy it on the internet. You know, that, there's all sorts of doctors now that are ready to prescribe. You know, they, they're ready to prescribe you stuff without ever having you seen, seen you as a patient, which is totally just mind boggling. It's just like, wow, we've gotten to that point. I mean, yeah, we want access for everyone to healthcare, but how do you know this person? How do you know what's going on in their life? You do a quick consultation with them over the phone, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and, and you just write them a script just so you, so you check off some things so you don't get in trouble. ED meds are very, very interesting in that, with the exception of Cialis, most of them, the window of opportunity is just a few hours. Heaven forbid that, you know, let's say, you know, uh, you take your ED meds and you think it, it's all great. So you go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and you come back and your significant other's asleep. <laughs> That's never happened, has it? <laughs> then one of the side effects of ED meds is, is a headache. So I actually, a friend of mine used to complain he used to get headaches about it. said the only thing that his ED did, didn't improve his sex life, but it sure gave him a lot of headaches. That's the whole thing. And for many men, ED meds over a period of time lose their effectiveness. And then, you know, and the next thing you know, your primary care physician says, well, I can't give you anymore. You're kind of, you're, you're kind of, you're at the limit. And so, like, you've got this decreasing efficacy. The other option is, in these, especially in these early changes, is you have some of these therapies that are out there that, one, you don't have to time your sex. 
you know, if you, if you do some of these things, it can be more, it can be more spontaneous. You don't have to go like, Hmm, okay. Or, you know, uh, you know, I, I have, I have three hours, I have three to five hours. It can be more spontaneous, more natural, and you don't have to worry about taking the meds. Oh, damn. I went away for a weekend. I forgot to take my ED pills. Ow. <laughs> you know, then what do you do? I kind of like the idea of having, uh, rather than taking pills and there's plenty of things that we need to take medications for but if you can do something to increase the healing capacity of your of your own body i think that's far superior way to go especially since it's it's a vascularization thing and and that tends to to kind of help alleviate the more dramatic symptoms later on especially if you're increasing vascularization which most of the therapies that's what they do is increase vascularization yeah, yeah. And so we're talking PRP, we're talking peptides, talking, you know, arginine. sonic wave. Yeah. And sonic wave. Tell me about that. Sonic wave is is just basically <laughs> sounds like Star Wars. Well, yeah. I actually actually I think they call it, I call it sonic wave, but I think I, I think they actually talk shock wave. The shock wave. No one no one wants to be shock waved. No. Uh, no yeah, good, I don't know good, why. Good play on words. Switching yeah, well, no, they call but they, they call it shock wave. I'm going like, I don't think that's a good marketing term. Yeah, shock, yeah. <laughs> shock therapy. And basically what they do is they send in impulses in the penis area. Basically what it does is stimulates blood flow. It basically regenerates some of the blood flow in those areas. And again, those work well. The thing about that particular therapy is that uh, oftentimes it requires multiple treatments. And again, depending on where you start, if you are on a scale one to 10 with 10 being great and, you, and you're starting at five, you know, you, you, you may get yourself back up to a nine. But if you're starting at a two, your endpoint may be a six in terms of it. So a lot of it, a lot of it has to do from the urologist that I've spoken to, a lot of it has to do for some of these therapies of, of where you start, of how bad you are. And I think this, that's part of getting on this as, at an earlier age when you're dealing with just more true dissatisfaction rather than erectile dysfunction, which really is just you know, the inability to get an erection or even maintain one and uh, maintain one during sex. The whole thing about maintaining an erection during sex is is an interesting concept in that when you have erectile dysfunction during that act of what should be an act of love, that act of intimacy for many men, you're not even there. You're not even there. You're not present mentally. And, and it's not, it's not because you're, you're a bad person. You're just, you're not present there mentally. You're just there as thinking, Oh gosh, I hope my penis doesn't go limp. I hope my penis doesn't go limp. all that. And it's all getting, getting inside your head. You're not, even enjoying the physical intimacy, the emotional intimacy at the level that you could be if you weren't worried about that. And believe me, your, your partner also is worried about that. Oh gosh, I hope, he, I hope he's not frustrated. I hope he doesn't have, I hope he's not disappointed again. I hope, you know, I, I hope, you know, I hope, you, I hope this works. That is a, another big component in terms of the actual act of sex is significantly affected by the potential or, and the realization of, of not being able to complete the sexual act. Yeah, how do you recommend they reframe that? Well, I th- I think you know we have to look at at therapy. One is what's going on in the bedroom or wherever you're having sex, you know, about what's going on. And I think there's a certain amount of personal self honesty. A man has to have some self honesty about this, and to be say, okay, things are not working like they used to. Things need help. I need, you know, things I'm trying. The ED pills they worked for a while. They're not working anymore. I need to go find someone 
who really knows what they're talking about. And that's a little bit of a challenge now, uh, you know, because because there, there's a there's a men's vitality clinic on every corner, and who knows? I mean, it's a cash business. It's very lucrative, but half the people I I, my, I don't know if, I don't know what half or whatever, but I suspect that a lot of the a lot of the physicians in there don't really exactly know what's going on or what they're doing. You know, that's an unfortunate thing, but that's that's the reality of it. Is that's that's that a lot of times you want to make sure that you're in a situation with a healthcare provider that actually is taking the time to understand what your problem is, what your condition is. If they can get you in and out of there in 15 or 20 minutes, they don't really know who you are. Mm-hmm. There's not much on the prevention, getting to the root cause and relieving those issues, you know, versus symptom treatment, symptom management. So I have to be, you know, have to be very conscientious about that. This ED, you know, people kind of, sometimes people snicker and it's, it's so funny because when people say, well, what do you do? And I tell them and then like the room just kind of goes quiet. You can be at a party and, and I just talk about it. I, you know, my wife's gotten used to it. Uh, <laughs> she's just like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. And then like later, somebody will come up and they'll start asking you questions. It's so comical because they go like, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay, but I, I have this friend, like. Gee, that's such an old line. <laughs> I'm okay, but I'm, I'm really, I'm over here talking to you about this because. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uncomfortable, right? So yeah, it's, not, it's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, many men don't want to talk about it and it's totally un- understandable because being able to be sexually functional is very important to your reality, your essence as a man. There's this term that's really used now that I actually totally disagree with. It's a term that's called that men are being feminized. Men are not being feminized. Men are in many ways turning into eunuchs, which is a whole different thing. The women I'm around are pretty strong. <laughs> you know, you know, there's not, it's not that you become, and that's used to say that you're becoming weak or you become, you're feminized. And so like, I go, no, uh-uh, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. It's not that men are becoming women. It's actually they're losing their essence as a man and they're becoming eunuchs. That's the worst part is they're becoming a shell of what they used to be as a man. It's not being replaced with something. It's not being replaced with, with something. It's basically you're just kind of losing it and you're becoming this, this, uh, this, this shallow uh, version of what you used to be. And that's what happens to, to men as they get older. You see that, especially in, you know, because I mentioned, you know, I've been on, you see that like in the gym. I used to, before we moved to Las Vegas a year ago, I'd been going to the same gym for 30 years. And so I see all the, I see the, guy, the guys who are my age and I can tell which ones are really taking care of themselves from a, from a hormone replacement level and which ones are not. Because the, the the ones that are not are all of a sudden they're kind of like they have this shriv- they're starting to get sh- they're, they're shriveled in and their their shoulders are coming forward and they're shriveling up and they're cranky oh my gosh they're cranky they're whiny and cranky and well, they're uh, inflamed right there's inflammation going on there's rapid aging through inflammation I would tell you Oris that you know my journeys around the world right I I met women men all ages but I'm specifically thinking of one gentleman Dr. Wilhelm Vieira that I met in Brazil and he's very his area of research has been essentially quantum physics and vibrational medicine and he was in his late 70s when I met him this is over a decade ago over 12 years ago and he was just, you know, six feet tall, silver hair, 
muscular body, does do no hormones. He does no exogenous hormones whatsoever. He lives in the south of Brazil near Fozzi Guazu. He's outside every day, believes in vibrational medicine, energy, and he just like beats his chest and have an orgasm every day. You know, I mean, that was his big thing. Just he goes virile, strong, sexually intimate. You know, he's been married for years. And virility is like, okay, well, what, what has he tapped into that, you know, we're using, we're, we're tapping into exogenously. I mean, sometimes we need exogenous support, but what's that, you know, that innate vibrational energy. And I think that's really key. Vibrational energy hormones are vibrational. So if we are clogging our hormonal communication systems, we're going to deplete our body's necessary resources. If we are living inside blue lights, watching TV, brains getting dull, not out in nature, tapping into the earth's vibrational energy, as well as high quality, nutrient dense, rich, freshly picked, plucked foods, you know, that's also critically important. So, and then other areas in the country that I think that's men without hormone therapy, very active, very physically fit, not suffering from erectile dysfunction. And so it's something, you know, we've got to like get this, like this natural balance and never forget how important those foundational philosophies are because we're not destined to be shriveled up old people. We're not destined to be that. We can be tall, strong, and dynamic. This whole thing that you you brought up, you know, what I guess some people refer to as endocrine disrupting compounds, the the blue lights, the uh, hormones in, in the food, the GMOs, and all porn, the process. Right? And porn. Porn will deplete testosterone oh, yeah. levels, right? But people don't realize that. It's such a testosterone depleter. Yeah. And the, the uh, other thing is that porn has an interesting effect in that there's a thing for young males. And uh, I, was, I was just like stunned when I saw the statistics. It was in England that said that 50% of boys age 12 will have seen porn online. And there's a thing called PIDE porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And what that has to do with the fact is that your brain is rewired and that you are no longer sensitized to normal sexual stimuli because you've been hypersensitized to things on porn. And so you have these young kids, and this goes back to what we were talking about, uh, I was talking about earlier about this guy who says he has so many friends on ED meds in their early 20s. And part of it is that they have this, this concept that they, they see this porn movie, which they have no idea how many injections those porn stars have put into, into their penis. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they're all jacked up between the ED meds, uh, Trimax, all sorts of stuff, just, to, just so they could, they could film for six hours. I don't care how who you are. If you're going for six hours, it's not natural. It's like, it's like, but they have this whole idea, and then you know how the woman's supposed to act, and all this during the porn, during during having sex, and all that stuff. And so they have this, this totally unrealistic idea, expectation about what uh, what the sex is. And I won't say you know when you're at that point where you know it's love, or maybe you're in love, but most of the time it's lust. But it's you have this whole idea of what it's what's supposed to be like because you saw this on a movie, and when you get around when you get around it to it, it's not like that. And so you, you're just and you're having a hard time. Re- responding because you've been desensitized to normal normal sexual stimuli by by the porn that you're looking at and so it, it becomes a problem there was a, there's actually a, a department of defense study that actually says that because they have a big problem with porn because they got people stationed around the world a lot of times without the ability to have a physical contact with with their loved ones things like that and that there's a that 
porn was actually uh, related to violence against women. That was like, you know, you can Google that, uh, Department of Defense Studies. And, and it's a very, very interesting thing because that's a problem now with, uh, you know, harassment in the middle and actual assault. And a lot of that may be due to porn. The other thing that a lot of people may not realize is that, you know, we talk about testosterone levels. Generationally, testosterone levels in men are going down in a significant way. The Massachusetts Male Aging Study, and it looks from 1987 to 2005, and they're showing just generationally lower levels of men having testosterone, which is manifesting itself in a lot of different ways. But this is, has to do a lot with the endocrine disrupting compounds that we're continuing more and more exposed to. And this is affecting the development of men as men. Rheologists I'm talking about are talking about seeing younger and younger men in their office with erectile dysfunction and low testosterone values. And this has articles about, you know, we're all seeing the articles about millennials having less sex than boomers did or other generations. But a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, testosterone is, is very, very, very important for sex drive in a, in a man. In doing that. The other thing is there's a study out of Hebrew University that talks about sperm counts have been cut in half, 1973-2011. And this study actually kind of extrapolated out. And this is only in the industrialized world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that in my medical practice as a gynecologist and helping so many clients with fertility is in the 90s, we said male factor was 30%. Now it's easily 40 to 50%. So we see that male factor infertility is becoming a, a bigger issue. So there's certainly a generational component to this as well as, as the toxins are affecting the fragile sperm. I mean, it is fragile sperm. And so we need to, we need to empower that. And just having the discussion because because marriages are suffering, right? In this perimenopause, menopause, andropause, we have these physiologic changes that create behavioral changes. And then we think it's it's the partner or it's the, you know, it's the relationship. And it's it's not, it's physiology. And once we reignite physiology, reignite the relationship, or as I have a program, you know, it's called sexual CPR, right? I am the women's health expert, but not the technique or relationship expert. Let me just qualify that right now, but the women's health expert. And, and because also component for men's sexual health is what I teach as well, because it affects marriages and having this conversation, understanding each other, what you're going through and how that affects us relationally is vital for healthy marriages, the longevity of healthy marriages. And I am I'm glad you're speaking about this. So solutions, give us some, like, let's close with some solutions and next steps. The first thing for a man is to find a, a knowledgeable doctor to basically make sure that they are optimized from a physical standpoint. That's a, I would say that's a hormonally optimized from a nutrition standpoint, to be optimized from a health standpoint in terms of physical fitness, because that alone will make huge effect in terms of your life, the quality of your life, not just the longevity, but the, but the quality of, of your life. And then start having the awkward conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that men avoid having awkward conversations and, and maybe women do too. I, I, uh, well, but, is there a way for a woman to talk about it with their guys? Say, Hey, I've noticed, I mean, like, what, what do you say? You're worried of hurting feelings or emasculating your spouse. 
I think you start with the fact that I love you and I want us to have the best relationship possible. And there are some things that are going on that challenge. And I think we need to talk about it. That's the worst thing a guy could hear. I mean, you know that, you know, I mean, that's, that's like the, the death knell. It's like, uh, we need to talk about something like, Oh, shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did don't I start, do? What didn't I do? Yeah, yeah. So don't don't start the conversation with "we need to talk about something" because instantly the defensive and the radars go up. But I think it just just kind of come in from from that kind of supportive way, and then kind of ease into that conversation. And I think once you start that conversation, I don't think it's a difficult conversation to have. I think the start is the more awkward, and I think that there's also uh, out there a number of marriage coaching programs that are helpful. I'm sure there's plenty of, there's some that are out there that are bad. There's some that are, out there that are good. I know I've, I interviewed someone about one of theirs and they, and they, they, they really deal with the relationship aspects from both from a body standpoint, from a physical standpoint, in terms of your own individual bodies, from a balance standpoint, in terms of your relationship, from a spirituality standpoint. And also about finances, about the business and how and how they relate to each other from a finance standpoint. So I think those kind of situations where you address those four aspects of your life and to talk about them, not in anger, because a lot of times, not infrequently, those conversations come up. But it's usually when not not infrequently is when people are pissed off, or they've they've had that second or third glass of wine, and that's that's not that's not the not time. The time. Yeah. That is not the time to be having that conversation. The three glasses of wine, and that's not a time to be having a, a serious conversation. That's actually a time to say, like, stop. We are not having this conversation. Neither of us are, are in the frame of mind or a mental capability to have that discussion at this point. Yeah, exactly. Time out. Let's come back to this when we're both fed and happy. Yeah, I don't think we use coaches enough. No, I agree. I, every good, you know, I would say every good athlete has has a coach. Every good relationship, you know, have mentors, coaches, good examples that you can have these conversations with. Yeah. So I think that those are the two things, and and at the same time, both for men and and women, I think it's also important that you say, okay, where am I in this? Who am I in this relationship? What am I doing in this relationship? And there's going to be good, there's going to be bad, but having it to make a, a assessment and, actually, and, and writing it down, actually writing it down. I mean, just thinking about it, is, it becomes just more of a wishful thinking exercise, but writing down saying like, okay, these are the positive things I bring into, into this relationship between, between us. And these are the negative things. This is the baggage that I carry in this relationship. That's an important part to be honest with yourself about who you are. And that's that's for both people in, in the relationship, both the both the man and, and and the woman in a relationship, because some people, you know, people always go, "This is the big lie that some people tell themselves," uh, is that, "Oh, they're not right for me. I'll go find someone else." Right, exactly. And then they initially get a charge, and then they think, "Oh, well, that's the reason," and that's not the reason. And my comment to that is, wherever you go. There you are. Exactly. Because no, because the same mistakes that you made in, in the previous relationship, you're going to bring those mistakes. They will not. You're right. Initially, there's that kind of that whole honeymoon period, this and that, and they won't show up initially. But I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you that the same 
issues pattern. that you, mm-hmm. the same pattern will show up in the next relationship because different phase, same problems. Again, people don't want to accept that because personal growth, we're really talking about personal growth. And it's a hard thing to do. It's not easy. My concept about, about stuff is that there is no such thing as status quo. There's no such thing as maintaining. You are getting better or you're getting worse. There's no such thing as like, oh, I'm just kind of maintaining. No, you're not. No, you're not. People talk about that in the weight while they're putting on five pounds every every year. Oh, I'm just maintaining. No, you're not. Go look at that picture from three years ago. <laughs> you're not, right, not right. maintaining. You're right. not maintaining. You're either improving or you're getting worse. Status quo is just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's so important. All right, Oris, how do people get a hold of you and what's the next way they can contact you? I know we got oldguystalks.com, but you got to- Old guy, old guy, singular. Old old guy. guy. Old guy. I'm the old guy. I'm the only one who gets to talk. No one else gets to talk. No, obviously. (laughs) I I tend to uh, talk sometimes too much. You can get a hold of me at oldguytalks.com. There's a contact form. You can also find out you have a, a link to my product on, uh, on cutting-edge medical therapies to treat erectile dysfunction. Tell us about that. Uh-huh. Well, what I've done is this was a journey of uh, self-interest and self-discovery for myself based on uh, what happened with my prostate biopsy. I have interviewed several doctors and one scientist on uh, cutting-edge medical therapies. Everybody cringes when I use the word cutting-edge. Uh, people make a face. I, should, I need another word, but that's all right. So I've gone into great length on these interviews. This is not like this is not like a consultation that you would get into in an office because I have these uh, doctors after hours. Sometimes I'll be smoking a cigar and having a glass of scotch and we're having a conversation about their particular area of expertise, their particular therapy that we're doing. And a lot a lot of these interviews are are about 45 minutes or so. So we get really into the details of the particular therapy. And uh, sometimes, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're serious. Uh, I bring my own s- sense of humor to them. But we get into a, a lot of detail. And as you know, these uh, doctors spend a lot of time with their patients. And so these consultations would run several hundred dollars for initial consultation with these. And, and, and the, uh, you can get that, this information at, at a fraction of the cost. And it's the fact that because I come from this place of being familiar with regenerative therapy, even though I'm not a physician, I kind of know some of the things to ask. And uh, so I'm not coming in there just kind of blind. And, and because I've been in this space, I know what to do. So we go into a lot of details. And then I, uh, we have other interviews that are available in there. On, uh, some of them are is, uh, with some experts on testosterone replacement therapy. Also, there's uh, interviews with uh, cardiologists about how uh, erectile dysfunction uh, can be an indicator of, of heart disease. And then uh, we have some relational stuff in there, too. I have an interview in there that uh, is with a woman who had 17 million hits on her TED Talk. It's the the sexless marriage, uh, infidelity, and masturbation. Uh, That's that's the title of her talk. So uh, I, I got a chance to have her, to interview her. And and so there's a lot of value, and we've been continuing adding value to that. We'll put that in the show notes. So put, the, put that in the show notes. It's like myjunkdoesnotwork.com. We'll put that in there, right? Is that it? I think you guys have your own special link. Okay, thank you. This is a, a, a continual process because I'm just not stopping at this point. I'm talking to you about other things that are of interest. And it's not all 
at myjunkdoesnotwork.com. It is about that. But at oldguytalks.com, it's also about vices. We talk about cigars. We talk about liquor. We talk about stuff that are going to be starting training for a Spartan race here soon. So I'll be talking about that, about uh, exercising as an older person, which has its own deal about uh, how to deal with healing and some other things that uh, uh, I'll be talking about list items. Well, I want to thank you so much, Oris, for being with us. Oldguytalks.com. Oris, you know, tough topic, sharing your story, sharing your information. I really, I really appreciate it. So, you know, in Couch Talk, this is an area, like I said, guiltless, shameless, open discussion. It's time for intimate conversation and to, to get real, because if we're not talking about it, it just continues to brew under the surface, continue to like a, like an infection, right? And so we want to open it up. We want to talk about this. We want to improve our marriages for the life of our marriages, like for the life of ourselves and, and improve that connection, improve the intimacy because intimacy increases oxytocin and that just improves our connection even more, not to mention the most powerful anti-aging and regenerative hormones. So thanks to Oris today for sharing his wisdom. We've talked about erectile dysfunction. We've talked about erectile dissatisfaction. We've talked about how prostate health matters as well as some natural interventions and leading edge therapies that can be implemented to improve sexual function no matter what you're dealing with. And I've seen that over and over and over again with couples from the female perspective, from the male perspective, and as couples work together. But the way when we have this conversation, when we increase our openness, our vulnerability, because nothing's more vulnerable than our sexual health, our sexual intimacy. When we open this, we can increase the magnitude, the health, intimacy, and love within our relationship even more. And I've seen that happen with couples over and over and over again. And for women for sexual health, check out sexualcpr.com as well, because that is key, right? There's a lot more to sexual health than having sex. So we'll, we'll, we'll have more on that. And again, thank you all for listening to Couch Talk. Please give us your reviews. Give us your comments. I love reading your five-star reviews and I'm so grateful that you're sharing this information. I know we, again, we talk about some intimate stuff. So thank you for being here on Couch Talk and I will see you next week.